I'd like to read one, one more verse, just one more verse. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter 3, verse 18. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Just look at that one more time. Just the first part. Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Now, many of you have been in this building for 10 hours. And most of you have listened to eight messages preached from the Bible. So you're probably a little tired. So I want to make my message as simple as I can. And I want to speak on two words. Just two words. They're found in this verse. Christ suffered. That's it. Can you remember that? Christ suffered. A lot of people suffer. Maybe, maybe there are people here tonight and you're suffering. Maybe nobody knows about it, but you're suffering. Well, the man who wrote this letter, Peter, he suffered. We know that because he was thrown into prison three times. That would be an uncomfortable experience in a modern prison. And he was put into a place and he was locked up. Three times for preaching the gospel. So he knew a little bit about suffering. The audience, the people who received this letter that Peter wrote, a lot of them were on the run. They were being persecuted for being Christians. And some of them had likely lost their homes. And likely had been separated from their families. And some of them were likely physically hurting. They were in pain. Maybe they had lost all their money. And they were poor. And they didn't know where they were going. And they were suffering. Peter writes them the letter. How, 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 do you relate, how do you help somebody like that? Well, Peter wrote this letter. And, and this verse, he just says, just so you think about this, he says, there's somebody else who knows what you're going through. We heard about this is where we started this morning when our brother Andrew spoke. It, Christ also suffered. You're going through something. Here's somebody. He doesn't say, I also suffered. Look at me. No, he says, I want you to think about anybody who's suffering. It's always good to just... Remind them that Christ also. Christ suffered also. He, he suffered. But you say, well, there's a lot of people who have suffered. Even there was a lot of people who suffered on crosses. In fact, the day the Lord Jesus was crucified, there were two men, two thieves who were crucified, and they suffered. You're right. But I want to begin and I want to point out to you that his suffering, his suffering was unmatched. His suffering was unmatched. There has never been and never will be a person who suffers like the Lord Jesus suffered. Christ suffered, but it was unmatched. I don't know. It seems to happen when you go to the dentist. Um, 
And, and, and what happens? Well, what they do is they open your mouth as wide as it possibly can, can. They can. And then they stretch your lips all out. And then they stuff cotton in your cheek. And then they put instruments in there that hurt. And then they say to you, how's the pain? You can't even explain how it is. At least they could do it. Sorry, Dad. My dad's a dentist. Sorry. At least they could do is bring one of those charts up that they use at hospitals where they have those faces on it, you know? Measure your pain. And there's a person with a big smile, no pain. And then there's a person that looks like they're just kind of... And then there's the one that looks like they're scared, like they're going to die. Can I tell you when it says Christ suffered, his pain was off of all charts. It was unmatched. Why? Well, you know the two thieves, when they... According to the information at least we have in the Bible... When they were woken up or they got up that particular morning, they were taken out. They had to carry a, likely had to carry a part of their cross too. Uh, and they would carry it, but they were, from all we have information we have, they were likely in good health. But when Christ suffered, think about it. He had been up all night long, all day and all night. Imagine the weariness. The night before, he had been in a garden. And as he thought about what was going to happen, he began to sweat. In fact, he was sweating, and it was like drops of blood coming out of him. And he was weeping, very intense. And that's the way he passed the evening before. They came, the soldiers arrived in that garden. They took the Lord Jesus to his first judge. There he was before that first judge when it all began. There was a man there and he took his hand and he likely slapped the Lord Jesus across the face. But that was just the beginning. Then it wasn't long before another judge and, and then a group of judges come towards the morning and they took the Lord Jesus and they put a, a blindfold on. And the Bible says that they began to buffet him, to punch him, to hit him. And it wasn't just they were treating him like a, a punching bag. And man after man took their turn. And they said to him, Prof, tell us who's hitting you. And they beat him and they beat him and they beat him. Christ suffered. Not only did they beat him, they began, first the Jews, it says they began to spit on him. It was like they took a turn, made a, a single file line, and they came back past him. And they didn't just spit, they spit right in his face. Can you imagine that? Christ suffered. Then they take him to another judge, the governor. And then off to a, a king, Herod, back to the governor, Pilate. You know what happened in that amount of time? Once they took him and they, they dressed him up like children playing dress up. And they dressed him up as a king. But instead of a crown, even made out of cardboard or paper, they made a crown out of thorns. And they put it into his head and they pushed it down. And they gave him a stick for a scepter. And they dressed him up. And then they pulled the stick away from him. And they began to pound that crown into his head. And the thorns would pierce his brow. Christ suffered. 
But I want you to think then, there was a man who took a whip. And they turned the Lord Jesus and he willingly lay, stood there. And that whip cut into his back until, in the words of a psalm, it looked like a plowed field. Imagine. He's still not on the cross. Look what he has gone through. And when he gets, then after that, they make him pick up his cross. And they make him carry it. Okay, when his back looked like a plowed field. Christ suffered. You see, his suffering was unique. When he began the suffering of the cross, look what already is the condition he was in. The way they treated him. But I want you to think about what the Lord Jesus experienced when it says Christ suffered. Because when he got to the place called Calvary, and they took those nails, and they pounded him through his hands and his feet, we can say that Christ suffered. He felt it. He felt it all. But you know, when he was on the cross, back in Labor Day, being the talented man that I am, using a hedge trimmer, I did a number on my finger. Pretty deep, pretty bad. Bone, whole thing. And I was able to hold it together and get to the emergency room. And I put it back together there and it while I was waiting in the emergency room, you know, if you ever had an injury like something like that, you, you, I think it's the adrenaline kicks in or something, and you, you don't really feel the pain. But as I began to sort of relax there in the emergency room, waiting for the doctor or somebody to come in, at least somebody, I was waiting, even about ready to call the secretary. Would somebody come in here? It's starting to hurt. And finally, it was a beautiful sight. Physician's assistant comes through the door like this. That's a beautiful sight. You're hurting. Big, long needle. And in she came. It wasn't long and the little anesthesia. Beautiful. You know, they actually came to the Lord Jesus. And they offered him a drink. It was wine mingled with myrrh. He did taste it. But he refused that anesthetic. He wasn't going to take any of that. He would feel all of the pain when Christ suffered. Nothing to take away anything. He would feel it all. There's a lady in the state of New Jersey. She's in the assembly in Pensauken. And Judy works in a hospital. I think she's a, a nurse's aide. And her ministry to serve the Lord is to wait for her breaks and her lunch hour. And then she walks around the hospital, Cooper Hospital, and she walks around the hospital and she looks into rooms looking for, she speaks Spanish, and she looks for people in those rooms that are all alone. Because she has found there are many patients who never have a family member. Friends are afraid to come in. And there they are in a hospital room. And they're suffering all alone. She goes in to try and share a little of the gospel. And she'll tell you that it is absolutely heartbreaking sometimes when people will look at her Maybe she'll just put her hand on her, her arm like that. It'll be the first person that has visited them. 
10 days, a month, and they're suffering all alone. When Christ suffered on the cross, there's not a crowd of people there. There were no 12 disciples. They were gone. His mother wasn't there. She had been led away. There were some ladies, but they were a distance away. The Lord Jesus looked out as Christ suffered. And he could say that he looked for some to take pity. And there was none. And comforter, somebody to comfort. And he found none. Christ suffered. He was absolutely alone. With no friends. But you know, the Bible tells us the story in the book of Genesis. That when the judgment of God came down in the flood... Noah was saved because he just went inside that ark. If you ever get down to Ohio, go to the ark. It's not Noah's ark, but it's a replica of it, just so you're aware. Go down there. Just imagine Noah inside, and it's all coming down, but none of it touches Noah. Noah had protection. When Christ suffered, there was no protection. There was no shield. There was no ark. And he never put his hands up once in defense. Christ's suffering was worse. Was unmatched. But you know, really? What this verse is talking about? I haven't even talked about that. This is talking about something else. This is not talking about men's hands or a whip or some thorns or people spitting on him or people insulting him so that his heart was broken. This is not talking about any of that. This is the Lord Jesus already on the cross. And when he was on that cross, the Bible tells us that this is talking about not when men punished him. But when the very God of heaven punished him. This is why his suffering is unmatched. Nobody has suffered this. Because when the Lord Jesus was on the cross. The Bible says that God made him to be sin for us. And that with a stroke from God. And that the punishment of our peace was upon him. The punishment that came down from God upon him. He did not have protection. There was no anesthesia. There were no friends to help him. He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was absolutely alone and the God, his God was punishing him. The punishment of God came upon the Lord Jesus. And Christ also suffered once for sin. But I want you to think about not only was his suffering unmatched. But according to this verse, his suffering was undeserved. Who is he? He is called Christ who suffered. But in this verse, he's called the just one. It's not just one, like one person. It's the just, the fair, the righteous, the sinless, the perfect one. So that means 
When that first man took his hand and slapped him across his face, Jesus didn't deserve it. Well, Pilate took the whip and they whipped his back. He didn't deserve that. He was the just one. And when they all came by him and they punched him and they hit him and they beat him with that stick, he didn't, he didn't deserve that. He, he had done nothing to deserve that. And in fact, Peter says, we read it this morning. Peter says he didn't do any sin. In fact, there was nothing wrong in what he spoke. He was perfect. Now, the two thieves on either side, one of them said to the other thief, he said, we're getting what we deserve. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. This man has done nothing. He's done nothing to deserve this. And so when the Lord Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said he gave his his viewpoint of it all. He actually did it in prayer. He prayed to God and he said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. They don't appreciate that he's the he's the just one. They don't understand that he doesn't deserve it. And they have made him hurt. Christ has suffered. And he's the just one. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the time. God in heaven. Jesus never prayed. God. You don't know what you're doing. Of course he did. Because God didn't know what he was doing. And out of everybody there, he understood more than anybody else how perfect the Lord Jesus was. That he was sinless. That he not only did not sin, but because he's the son of God, he could not sin. God understood all of that. And even though he understood it, he made it so that Christ suffered. With suffering that nobody can imagine. Son deserved. But could I tell you tonight that his suffering was necessary? You say, why did that happen? If it happened maybe because the people were ignorant and they didn't understand. But why did it happen when God made the Lord Jesus suffer? Why? Why did that happen? Well, let me tell you tonight that if you look right, just, just look right up here. Look, look as close as you can. Look right in my eyes. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's exactly why it happened. That's what I discovered sitting in that room back there, back in 1974. I'm the reason why he suffered. Christ was suffering for sins. He suffered for sins, the just one for the unjust one. See, I had a problem of sins. Peter had a problem of sins. Would you be willing to face up tonight the reality, the gravity, the solemnity, the depth, the breadth, the awfulness of the problem of your sins and what you deserve for those sins? Because, my friend, according to the Bible, the wages of sin is death. And as Andrew has been kindly telling you tonight, That you are nothing more than one final breath, one final heartbeat 
until you will launch out into an awful eternity and you will be in a place of suffering and you will suffer and you will suffer. And yes, in that place, you may wish you may wish for anesthetic and there will be none. You may wish for friends and people joke about how I'll suffer in hell with my friend. No, you won't. Your friends may all be there too. But the Bible says that when a person suffers there, that everyone was judged according to their works and they'll have their part. You will have your part, your portion at your place. You will be there, but you will be locked up in, 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 in. you will be covered. You will be surrounded with flame and the suffering will go on and on. You will have no friends there. You will have no ark. You will have no shield. There will be no protection. I don't know when I had this finger. I'm not asking for pity, but just to use it as an illustration. Gospel preachers have to do that. Part of it is it's numb because I cut the nerve. That happened, I, I don't know why, but I, I thought of my, my wife's grandfather. At age 42, he died of cancer. Back then, they didn't have the medicines they have today and the ways to administer. I never met him. I have a cassette tape of him preaching the gospel that I cherish. I still have. It's in my desk. He was in such pain. They actually cut into his spine so he wouldn't feel anything from there down. And I thought to myself, this is so small, it's nothing but, I thought, imagine pain that's so bad, you wish somehow all your nerves could be cut. Could I say kindly to you tonight? You are headed for a place where you will long forever that your nerves be cut. You will suffer the punishment for your sins. But the good news is tonight, Christ suffered. He suffered. What I discovered was, it was absolutely necessary I couldn't do anything to get rid of my sin. Absolutely nothing. No matter how hard I tried to understand, I thought my understanding would, would save me, would bring me into a relationship with God. I thought that somehow there would be the right combination of verses and the right preacher and the right message and at the right time and it would all just come together and somehow, or I would be good and I would... I realized my problem of my sins And the punishment I deserve. There was absolutely nothing I could do. And what I discovered that night as well. Was there's nothing else that Christ could have done. To take away my sins. And to save me from suffering. His teaching is fabulous. We enjoy it. We teach it. We preach it. We try to live it. His miracles are amazing. But there's not one word. Or all the words of the Lord Jesus himself. That could ever take away my sins. And bring me to God. And there is no miracle that the Lord Jesus did or could do that would bring you to God. The only way it was absolutely necessary is that Christ suffered. 
Tonight, if you want to come to a relationship with God and have the issue of your sin taken away, he can bring you to God. That's what the verse says. Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he, he can bring you to God tonight. Have a relationship reconcile you. There's kind of a word I've been skipping over, saving it for the last. Past week, I tried to fix a coffee machine at home. And uh, I took it all apart. And uh, Brady, our son, he, he came by and he saw me working on it. He said, how's it going, Dad? I don't know whether he was asking or mocking, but there I was. And then finally he came by another time. And I was putting in the last screws. And then about 15 minutes, he came by, and there I was taking screws back out because I had forgotten a clip that goes way down on a hose, way down in the thing, and I had to do a redo. Can I tell you tonight some great news? Christ didn't have a redo. Understand what I mean? It was so good. His work was so flawless. Christ also has once for all suffered for sin. He will never, he can do nothing more. He doesn't have to do anything more. And you don't have to do anything more. Christ suffered once for sins. The just, the one who didn't deserve it. For the unjust ones who do deserve it. That he might bring us to God. Could I ask you then tonight, what do you think of the fact that Christ suffered? If I go to heaven, and it turns out, like they say, it's not in the Bible, so it's not going to happen that way. But if they say that Peter's going to meet me at the door... And he just said to me, John, how would you get, you, you, all heaven knows what you're really like. You're unjust. How could you ever come into this place? All I need to say is two things. Christ suffered. Settles it all. He's already brought me to a relationship with God and he came to you tonight. Is it enough? Why would you not rely, put your faith, and depend on him to be saved from suffering? That's why the preacher said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Because tonight, because Christ suffered, our hope and prayer is that he will bring you to God. Shall we pray?